looking at diseases and cannabis and all these other things that are meant to treat you. The baseline ends up being how healthy is the food you're eating. The younger the plant, the more nutritious it is. The closer to the market that, that something is right, the more nutritious it, it is. What if you could just grow healthier, younger plants that go to someone's mouth in proximity to where they are in the market? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Am Christina D'Arcangelo. I feel like I've been recording all week, and it's only Wednesday, and it was a short week since we celebrated the 4th of July. With me today, I have Dan Watkins. I'm so excited to have you, another Northeasterner CBD cannabinoid professional working in the space every day of his life. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Dan, so you can properly introduce yourself and give our listeners and our viewers, since we stream on both types of audio and visual, a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hi, Christina. Good to see you again. Um, so yeah, about myself. I am, uh, uh, how, do I, how do I do that normally? 25-year international banker, compliance, markets, uh, trade all kind of came around back towards food and international banking has to do a lot with trade and commodities, whether it's, um, you know, gold or uh, minerals, but also food, which happens to be the largest GDP of the United States. That's, that's what we do the most of. Um, about five years, four years ago or so, um, I started a company called Soul Cell from New Jersey, actually, and it is an agricultural-based company. In other words, our focus is food, farming, the financial, and the biological implications of food. And we launched a CBD company uh, right after that. It, it was in 2018, so that's when the Farm Bill passed, but it wasn't until 2020 that the USDA created the hemp program, uh, the federal hemp program, and New Jersey didn't have one before. So we, we were growing in Vermont and sending out isolate to California and making all types of, you know, nutraceutical types of topicals and tinctures and things like that. But in 2020, um, we, or actually the general counsel of our company, acquired the very first, and we, I say this boldly, and I challenge anyone to challenge us, we acquired the very first federal cannabis license in U.S. history as, as a hemp license. Hemp is cannabis. And so we um, went and did a bunch of things. That was 2020, January 2020, 34001. You can find me on LinkedIn, Dan Watkins, Soul Cell, Green Cell, Moody's, Reuters, NASDAQ, Navy SEALs, all that kind of stuff for my resume. And we um, were very focused as the cannabis market was, you know, kind of kind of skyrocketing in appeal. We saw that this undertone of the USDA and the FDA support and the DEA supporting CBD and hemp in a much bigger sphere. So we, we are in the cannabis industry, but we look at hemp as being not just textiles and 50,000 uses for it from a commercial perspective, but literally in all things that are food grade, which means things that you eat and things that you put on your body. We believe all of those things will have CBD or hemp in it. And that's kind of who I am. You can also find me as NJ Hemp farmer on Facebook and Instagram and um, biologist by education, a veteran, fourth combat, fourth, fourth generation combat vet, and um, now full-time urban farmer in New Jersey. <laughs> well, I got to say, I love seeing your posts when you're out there in your zone um, farming, because it, I can see 
the passion um, behind what it is that you're doing and the fact that you know that you're creating something with your team that can help people on the daily, right? Before we got on here, we were talking about the fact that you need to eat your vegetables as a human, right? I mean, it's, it's one of the major food groups. We are taught this in elementary school, at least our age group was. Um, <laughs> nowadays, we can barely get the kids to be taught cursive writing. Um, <laughs> but there's all these other things that they push on our kids without our permission as parents. So um, yes, food, let's get back to the real root, no yes. pun intended here. Talk about, um, talk to me about what it is that you're doing. Like, have you figured out certain types of vegetable genetics that might, you might be creating something new out there in the marketplace? I'm just curious. I have a feeling um, that you could do something like this for some unknown yeah. reason. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I hear you. I think when I, um, first got into it, I looked at three things. One is cannabis was a, um, say a denominator, a baseline of how I looked at a lot of things in food because cannabis, especially in New Jersey, where it's very wet and East Coast primarily, um, our medical cannabis um, uh, business has really been focused around the same type of things that pharmaceuticals are. Controlled environments, clean air, clean processes, SOPs, seed to sale to somebody's mouth, considered medicine. Um, so New Jersey has a deficit in that space. Um, and I'll show you a couple things and actually introduce you to someone that I'm working with. Part of the other things that I do is look for help, uh, help, help infrastructure, not just women in business. But anyway, I looked at the indoor market, um, and, and thought, okay, that's great because now people can grow things indoors or I could be in Newark. I have an office in Newark, for example, where there's two companies. One is called Bowery Farms. I've heard of them. I think they have locations all over the place. Another one is, um, uh, geez, uh, Aero Farms. These are two companies that grow microgreens and do about $20 million a year in microgreens from one location, 50,000, 75,000 square feet. So I'm looking at cannabis and I go, okay, you want that controlled environment to kind of get genetics, but what if you could just grow healthier, younger plants that go to someone's mouth in proximity to where they are in the market? What, what's the what's the yield or the delta benefit? And the benefit is the younger the plant, the more nutrition it, the more nutritious it is. The closer to the market that that something is right, the more nutritious it, it is for the person. And so, looking at diseases and cannabis and all these other things that are meant to treat you, the baseline ends up being. How healthy is the food you're eating? And so, but that became expensive, right? Greenhouses, indoor. Why do that? I personally don't believe. I believe in global warming, and I think it's a great thing. I think that if, when the ice caps melt and the thawing of the last ice age melts, it means there's more fresh water, there's more food, there's more sunlight. But when you talk about things like climate change, again, whatever the, the seas are not going to boil over. Otherwise, Miami would be closed down by now, right? But um, the uh, the CO2 in the air is a primary cause of a lot of the disease factors we have around the world. Genetic, disease, cancer, and I say disease, even viral, viral diseases. So growing plants outdoors helps to do things to lower climate change. 
So I, I've kind of shifted in the first couple of years, we were all about indoor growing greenhouses and microgreens, all this stuff, still am. Uh, but now we have an integrated approach of doing things indoors that then go outdoors. Mm-hmm. So we're in a small environment, and I'll, maybe I'll show you the greenhouse another time, but in a small environment, let's say 1,800 square feet, right? Um, uh, uh, Miss Bird over here, uh, uh, I, I, I could bring her in in a second. Um, she does strawberries. She does uh, all types of veggies, right? What we're going to be doing is on some racks, doing the same kind of thing in that greenhouse and then taking them out to our 150 acres of leases and grow thousands of plants every couple of weeks kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's kind of what I, I look at and not necessarily are, are there new genetics to go after. I think there's enough out there that just has to be better, right? For example, and you, and you know this, you're a biology specialist and pharma and health and all the and patient advocacy. When you, as a farmer, who's by the who by the way is the poorest person in the world, is a farmer. Whether they're the immigrant or the seventy percent of people who are on welfare in the country happen to be in suburbia, not in the urban areas. They happen to be white as well, and they happen to actually live on farmland. They make no money because they're growing food and sending it off to the market. Now the market then packages it up, cleans it up, and presents it for 70 to 80% margin over the mm-hmm. farmer. But the farmer also has another problem. Because they're outside of the market, they're dependent on buying, you know, selling wholesale, and they have to pick their food unripened. So two things. One is when the food is ripe and you pick it, it starts losing nutrients within 24 hours. So imagine picking it a week in advance. Now you have to because, you know, the, you get a bunch of ripe tomatoes, put them in a big bucket, they're going to be spoiled and you lose the whole bunch. One, right. one rotten apple spoils the bunch, right? So it's understandable that farmers go through that. But um, Whole Foods and Trader Joe's, I should say, uh, Bezos now, right, is is more is making more on organic and faster delivery and is very, very expensive compared to going to the farm. So, so bringing more nutritious food locally to the market, someone like me, yeah, you, you can't do this in West Virginia necessarily, but me in, in Newark, New Jersey, I can I can serve millions of people fresh food. And the, I guess the last thing I'll say to that for everyone as well as why I'm so passionate about it is because the state and the federal government both um, provide easements, loans, grants, and incentives to replace the deficit. We have 10 million people in New Jersey. We have 10,000 farms. 9,000 of them are for housing. 1,000 of them producing food, and they can only produce food six months out of the year. So 10 million people are buying food, unripened, raw food from out of state, from overseas. And so New Jersey, at least in my context, has to produce more food for its community, and there's incentives for farmers to do that. That's one thing I miss. You know, I lived in the Bay Area for five years, and uh, living in the Bay Area, we had access to a lot of different farm stands and farmers markets, like all during the week on the weekend, you know, everywhere. And I live in Philly, you know, outside of Philly in the suburbs. And there's, you know, some farmers markets, but they're not like to what the extent is on the West coast. Mm -hmm. And it's one of, it's one of the most annoying things that I have found being back here is the, is the, not being able to access things that I would want to eat that's real farm to fresh. Like I seek out 
those types of places to purchase my my produce and my fruit and even my meat. You know, I try to live a very organic lifestyle, if you will, because I have two autoimmune diseases. And for me, food is essential for my survival. Um, It's a whole mind body uh, type thing. You know, a lot of people in the space, in the cannabis space and and the CBD space think, well, the magic elixir is whatever tincture they're taking at the time or whatever strain it is that they want to talk about at that moment. But it's not that (laughs) it's, it's about, it's about taking care of your body mentally, physically, what you eat, how you exercise. You know, I, I I know you work out. uh, It seems like almost every day besides what you do for your career. Maybe twice a month. Oh, well, every day during farming season. And, you know, I, I work out, you know, I don't have a farm, but I, I mean, I even grew, I planted my own tomato plants this year, which is, is not something I normally do, but I, I've, I'm sick of it. <laughs> so like when I have a bigger place, cause I'm looking to relocate in this area and buy another house that has more space. I'm well, looking come to come con- on over to bird family farm in Howell, New Jersey. And what I want to mention before we, we go to the next part was the, you know, farms can't get food to people. Right. right? We're just making it. We're made, we're made, we made a couple of jokes. I got a, uh, Sure, a couple of the farmers here. There's uh, Roseburg <laughs> and Liam down there, and we had uh, we had some kombucha from a. I love kombucha. Of- yeah, well, we lost about five pounds since uh, since we drank the kombucha yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it worked. One of the things we we're, we're actually weren't joking was so we have um, so so Rosemary has blueberries here at, at uh, Bird's Family Farm, and it's you pick it. She, yeah. it's an hour for her to pick a, a, a thing of blueberries. It's just yeah. three pounds to pick. It takes about an, an hour to pick three pounds, right? So farmers are also dealt with that. They're, they could be growing things yeah. and they still have to pay somebody to come pick it. That's or, right. So the more that you can find farms that are growing things, get there, help them. Yeah. You know, I, my, work there. my son and I could do that. When I was a little kid, um, I grew up in Chester County. Um, and I'm still in Chester County now and um, in Pennsylvania. And we had yeah. blueberry bushes in our backyard and we, we had like eight blueberry bushes and my brother and I, you know, my mom would send us the frig out there and the 90 degree weather and hundred degrees picking these freaking blueberries. And it was so that she could bake and freeze them, et cetera. Right. And, but we were kids, we would, you know, I came up with the idea cause I'm the oldest <laughs> That, you know, maybe we should pick some of the green ones and we can throw them at each other and play so that they don't turn purple, you know, or blue or whatever the hell you want to call the blueberry. And then it'll be less for us to pick. And so we would do that. We'd be out there bombing, you know, these green blueberries. I mean, not we didn't ruin a bunch. I mean, come on, we were little kids. We were, you know, six, you know, and eight at the time. I mean, how much damage did we do? But I remember picking those blueberries and and they're gone. They're not there anymore on my parents' property, which is really sad. We're selling the house. As a matter of fact, later today, I have to go uh, pre-sign some documents for settlement. And, you know, because it's time. My dad died in 15. My mom's been living there by herself all this time. She can't maintain the property. I don't live over there. So it's time to sell. But I noticed our blueberry bushes were missing when I was there a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, what the hell happened to the blueberry bushes? How did they die? You know, it's so odd. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's and that's a good segue to, um, you know, I'm not a big government 
person necessarily, but I am all about, my mom's a 50 year social worker and there are tons of benefits from the government. Um, so talking about the USDA, another reason why I got into cannabis through, uh, I got into hemp maybe because of cannabis, but because the USDA was behind it, there is an FSA uh, field service agency in every region, every county, everywhere. And one of the other divisions of the FSA is a group called the NRCS, the National Resource Conservation Service. And they look at, do you have blueberries on your land? Do you have blackberries? Can you, do you have a water source? Does you know how the city said you can't touch the water, it's wetlands, yeah. and they'll sue you and all that stuff? Well, actually, if you contact the NRCS, they'll say, go right ahead, take the water out and use it to grow plants because you're decreasing carbon dioxide. You're bringing fresh food to the to the, to the air. The plants, like uh, like you're wearing cotton right now. I'm wearing cotton, some form of cotton. Cotton is responsible for 25% of the world's pesticides. And so a lot of people say, well, I don't eat cotton, but you eat kale, right? Okay, yeah. so when you eat kale, your body doesn't digest it. The bacteria in your body digest kale, and the byproduct of that is where you get the benefits, sort of like yeast right. from beer, right? Now, if you think about that, and all the pesticides used, not just for cotton, but all over the place, are also in the same soil. The food we eat has pesticides in the water, in the ground, and it kills the bacteria in our body that breaks down things like kale. I, I've been talking, I, I met an herbalist two months ago. They're starting a new CBD store and she's an herbalist. She's giving all these classes and she tells me she suffers from, um, as, well, she lost a kidney. Now, how'd you lose a kidney? Well, she was sick from something else and she ate all this kale. Kale, 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 kale. And the kale knocked out her, uh, her, her kidney. What a lot of people don't realize is that the pesticides, we, we talk about and people talk about organic, but it really is in the, in the entire environment as well as the rain. And we all know those things. But, um, you know, you go to the store, you say, I'm eating organic. And yeah, maybe organic, but still things in the environment are, are, in, our, are, in, are in our bodies, right? So um, we have to do more things like this. So this is an aeroponic tower that Rosemary Bird, a bird family farm, designed. And here's another beautiful thing is the microgreens, okay? So just in, in, in this, I think we got, uh, we, got some, um, we got mostly broccoli, but you could do pea shoots, you could do radish leaves, you could do sunflowers, starts, you could basically do any plant, literally in the world, even a tree, and eat it as a baby. And so when you think about what's happening there is there, there's no need for pesticides. The, the nutrition is enormous. And these trays, restaurants, food stores, maybe $50 a tray. Look at, the, look at that rack. Probably do about 20 of those a week at $50 in your bedroom. It only mm -hmm. takes a to grow baby spinach, baby arugula, mm -hmm. baby kale. Sometimes it takes people 10 days. Other people can do it in seven days. Uh, it depends on the genetics too. But these are all types of things that we're, we're focused on. And I guess maybe I'll just wrap up real quick. Um, my CBD is also focused on that same mentality. It's not about the best flower. Yeah, we got flowers, but we'll be organic. But it's also about using all the herbal essences that we can. So this is chlorophyll, cold press, extract, hemp seed oil, rosemary, and oregano. And that's our focus in the CBD world is to incorporate healthier food, stronger herbs, more natural, pressed greener things that you can take this as a tincture you can put it on a bee sting or you can dip it in your olive oil and have it every day for mm -hmm. food mm -hmm. <laughs>
Well, that is awesome. And thank you so much for showing the product today. Um, and thank you for being on the show as well. I really appreciate having you on and learning about all the awesome things that you're doing. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. All right. Hope to see you soon. I'm sure you will. <laughs> um, so with that, as we always say and how we always end um, every single one of our episodes, remember, we are the same. I am Christina D'Arcangelo. Thank you. Mm-hmm.